Are zoos using fake animals? And one of the worst school shootings you've never heard of today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. Hope you're having a great day. I'm having a great day. It's a little hot. I know it probably sounds like a broken record at this point. Actually, that doesn't make sense because broken records don't really play. I guess the saying should be, I sound like a scratched record. I got a dentist appointment I got to go to in a bit. They're just going to go in and do a little checkup, shave some teeth down, something like that. I don't have a problem going to the dentist. I know a lot of people do have a, den- have a dentist problem. I've had some pretty rough dentist experiences. Apparently when I was a kid, I don't remember this, but the dentist slapped me. My brother saw it and got all mad. Because I was being loud and like crying right in his face, the dentist slapped me. But that was back in the 70s, so maybe dentists were more surly back then. And then once I went to the dentist and I had a diarrhea, and that was a nightmare. Because I was having a tooth uh, replaced. I was having like a cap my tooth had fallen apart in the back and they had to build like a new tooth around it. And the whole procedure took maybe about... Normally would take maybe an hour and a half, but you know, you have diarrhea, so it's going to take a little bit longer. I had to keep getting out of the seat to go use the restroom. And at one point I get up and the dentist was like, don't bite down. There's a metal rod sticking out of your gum. Like, I haven't built the tooth up. The metal rod hasn't been measured. Don't bite down, whatever you do. So I go into the bathroom, just blood spilling out of my mouth. I got like cotton all in there and it was I felt like I was a Cenobite from Hellraiser it was horrifying but you know again he got it done he's professional like it was I think it would be nightmarish for most people but you know it's just a procedure I don't have any trouble going to the dentist my teeth aren't the greatest anyways but still I I don't have a problem going to the dentist so before we get started I think I have to also address an error from yesterday's episode it's Leningrad you fool that was the name of the episode it got super hot in my apartment yesterday So I said, I'm going to go to the library and just edit the episode in and edit and upload and all that stuff. I'll do it at the library, which has really good air conditioning. It's right across the street. So I packed up all my stuff. Now, obviously, all my recording equipment is at my apartment. So I go across the street and I'm listening to the episode. I'm getting all the links together for to post in the show notes. And I kept looking for the book Stalingrad Siege and Symphony. And I'm looking all over for it. And nothing's coming up. I can't find it. I'm getting really frustrated because I was like, I know I just saw the I just saw the, the link when I was at my apartment. Why can't I find it now? The reason why is because the book doesn't exist. It's not Stalingrad I was talking about. It was Leningrad. Two completely different cities in two completely different parts of the country. Now, I know I get a lot of words uh, mispronounced. I know I mispronounce a lot of words, I guess is the right way to say that. And I know sometimes I can flub my facts, but letting that one stand, I was like, I just can't let this. No, people will be pulling their hair out if I keep calling it the Siege of Stalingrad and this book and the symphony and people will be like, this guy is a total idiot. But I had none of my recording equipment there. All I had was my laptop mic and of course I'm in a library. So how do I fix that? I just begin recording again and start going Leningrad, 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 trying to find the best take and people are kind of looking around like, what the heck is this guy doing? I'm sitting in my headphones on. On my laptop, just to nobody. I don't have a phone in my hand. I'm just going, Leningrad. So I had to say it like low enough that not everyone was disturbed. And the FBI don't, they don't think I'm talking to my handler over in Moscow. So anyways, if you listen to that episode, you know what here, I'll play it. If you, if you missed that clip, 
Because, you know, people jump into the podcast every so often. I don't, again, I don't expect everyone to listen to every episode. I'm appreciative if you just listen to one episode. I have a great time just knowing people are enjoying the show. But I'm going to go ahead and play a quick, <laughs> quick clip from yesterday's show if you didn't hear it. So you can hear exactly what I'm talking about. You're out of toothpaste. Now, here's the thing. Siberia is blisteringly cold. I wrote a book about the siege of Leningrad. I think it was just called Leningrad. It was an amazing book. So the story was about a symphony about Leningrad and the orchestra in the city under siege by the Nazis trying to get people together to perform that symphony. As like So there we go. That's what happens when you don't double check your research. I, and again, I knew I, I knew it was Leningrad. Absolutely, because I pulled the book up while I was talking about it. But when I packed everything up, I had cleared that link out. I figured out it'd be no problem. And I'm glad I did, because otherwise, the siege of Stalingrad is not where your butthole froze shut. That was the siege of Leningrad. Let's go ahead and get started here. Generally, I try to start off with a lighter story first, or kind of the more whimsical story first. But today, because the story we're going to cover is so disturbing, I'm going to go ahead and go in with the, the, the lead, the big story of the day, and that is the school shooting one. One of the conspiracies on the conspiracy list that we've been investigating this podcast was something called the 2006 volleyball incident. It's one of the ones that gets a lot of requests because it's just such a bizarre combination of words. What is the 2006 volleyball incident? So, of course, that was something that I got requested a lot. It was something I was personally curious about. What is the 2006 volleyball incident? What I came across, obviously, links below. The theory is is that there was a shooting at a volleyball game back in 2006, and 14 people were killed in South Dakota or Nebraska, and then everything was covered up by the media, and people's minds were erased by MK Ultra, or it was a psyop that they were testing before Sandy Hook. They wanted to see if they could get people to believe something that never happened, and once they realized the test was complete, they wiped everyone's minds, or... It's the Mandela effect, that it actually happened, and we don't remember it because we shifted into another universe. All of those are fake. None of those happened. 2006 volleyball incident is just a, it's word soup. If some words were put together to make people curious about the phrase, there's absolutely no proof that there was a volleyball shooting in 2006. However, so we're going to debunk that. Unless, of course, more information comes forward. But out of all the research I did, so of course, I, like I said, I always approach these conspiracies as if they're real. So I began looking for an incident in 2006 involving a shooting. I came across a school shooting that I had never heard of that should be one of the ones that is constantly talked about when we talk about this era. Not only does it have elements of school shootings, all this horrible stuff that comes to school shootings, it has children being killed, it has a lone gunman, it has someone coming into school with multiple guns. It also has elements of sexual assault and Me Too, the Me Too movement. So I'm surprised we don't know about it. I'm sure there are listeners who know about it, and I may have heard about it at the time, but the fact that it's disappeared into the consciousness of America is quite odd because it's actually very, very horrifying. It's a very horrifying event. So what happened was back in 2006, that's how I found out about this, there's a high school called Platte Canyon High School. Now, there was a man who they saw driving around the parking lot. It's just, you know, typical nor normal September morning. A couple students saw a man parking, looking at the school, 
didn't really think anything of it. They thought it was a little suspicious, but not enough to warrant any sort of attention. And they'd see the car drive away, and then, you know, a while later, another group of students would see someone sitting in their car looking at the school. Eventually, this man, Dwayne Roger Morrison, you know why they put middle names into serial killers? It's to, um, so there's not confusion with people. So, because I'm sure there's a lot of Dwayne Morrisons, but there's not many Dwayne Roger Morrisons. That's why generally uh, serial killers will have their middle name. Not all the time. I don't know Jeffrey Dahmer's middle name or Ted Bundy. Some of them are just so tapped into the consciousness that it's when it's reported, it's like that. But if you notice, most serial killers and school shootings, stuff like this, infamous people, I should say, they put the middle name in there to kind of, so everyone doesn't get lumped in. Not everyone has to change their name. So at 11.40 in the morning, Dwayne walks into the high school, walks into a classroom, apparently at random. Teacher asks, what are you doing here? He fires a shot in the air, tells the teacher to leave, tells all the boys to leave, and separates the groups of girls. Picks out seven of them, tells everyone else to leave. The cops, of course, everyone, there's a lockdown at the school. Everyone's supposed to stay in their classes. This guy's like in his 50s. He's not a student. He's in this classroom. All the, the school's locked down. The police show up. The police are trying to negotiate him, no, negotiate with him. And I'll get into the weird conspiracy stuff in, in a, at the end here because there's some really weird, complicated stuff going on here. Anyway, so he's in this room with seven students, seven female students, lines them up on the wall, begins walking up to each one. They're lined up. Puts a gun to their head, pulls them to the middle of the classroom, sexually assaults them, walks them back to the wall, grabs the other one. Does that seven times. Imagine being in that line. And they're facing the wall. They don't know what's going on. But the one girl said she could figure that out because you could hear clothes being taken off. And then, of course, eventually it became her turn. Horrific. The waiting of that. The actual event, obviously, but the terror also comes from waiting for that. And there's an interesting thing there as well. He says he has a bomb in his backpack. He has has three things of C4. The police are being held out. Uh, You know, the police are outside. They don't rush the place because he has hostages. This isn't an active shooter event. And what happens is, this, this started at like 10 in the morning, so now we're close to about 12.35. So this is not an instant thing. This is an ongoing negotiation. The cops are talking to him, trying to get him out of the room. He begins releasing hostages, because he's communicating with the police. The hostages come out and say, yeah, he's sexually assaulting us in there. So at that point, the sheriff's like, okay, we have to storm. The, we have to get him out of there. We have to storm it. So... The police make the decision to rush the building, rush the room. They get in the room. He's hiding behind two of the girls like a coward. Like a piece of shit. I really kind of made, that makes me mad. He's hiding behind the two girls. The police are getting ready to shoot him. He opens fire on the SWAT team. The uh, One of the girls, Emily was her name, was. So you know where this is going. She is there's gunfire coming right over her. She runs. He he then takes the time to take away from aiming at the police to shoot the girl. And then puts the gun to the head and kills himself. 
like a coward. So the young girl was life lighted out, and eventually she didn't make it. She passed away. Now, that's horrifying. That's absolutely horrifying. And, you know, that's that's that story. And again, I'm surprised that story is something that I'm surprised is if 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 my goal in life was gun control or ending the patriarchy or anything like that, this would be something I'd be talking about all the time. How is this lost in consciousness? And you could say, well, we've just had so many school shootings. We've had so many school shootings. But I mean, this is particularly horrifying. What's interesting about this story, though? What makes it different than just this true crime event that happened that people have forgotten about is the conspiracy angles to it. There's a lot of stuff we don't know about this. We don't know why he did it. The police have never said what he was asking for in the negotiations. The police have not revealed that. The police have revealed that he wanted to leave, but even in the reports, the police will say, we'll say we're not, we don't want to talk about the whole length of the call, and that might be standard procedure. But still, I think it's weird because they would play into his motivation. We don't know why he picked that classroom, and that's fine. It was probably just a random thing. There's been allegations that he was like a porn addict, and that's what led him to this. When they got his backpack, it didn't have any bombs in it. It was full of duct tape, a knife, and sex toys. So he came prepared to do this. But why? We don't know. I searched, all before I recorded this, I wanted to really give it a good college try to find out why he did this, figuring out if there was something about this. I found out he wrote a letter. It, I had to find that letter. I absolutely had to find that letter. And after a bit of research, I found it. No mention of girls, no mention of schools. He, what, what seems to have precipitated this was he bought a Harley-Davidson motorcycle and he feels he got ripped off because he bought all these aftermarket parts and they were subpar. And in this letter, there's two elements to the letter. One is, he's really mad at the Harley-Davidson people, and he was calling them up and arguing with them to the point where they actually called the police on him. And the letter makes it look like he's going to go shoot up the Harley-Davidson place, because he's like, hey guys, he wrote it to his family members, and he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I probably will never see you again, and the Harley-Davidson people ripped me off. That's the second part of the letter. The first part of the letter is he goes to say, you know, I know you guys are my family, but I want to let you know my father abused me. He abused me my entire life. I never had a childhood. It was absolutely terrible. And what a key point of that letter is was the waiting was the worst part. The physical and the emotional abuse was terrible, but knowing he was looking for me, Knowing because he would hide in these places in the house. He would try to avoid his father. He'd go to school. That was his only safe place. He says, for six hours a day, I was completely safe. But I knew when I got home, my father was going to abuse me. He doesn't really go into what the abuse is. But he says, the waiting is the worst part. Knowing that he's looking for me is the worst part. And how does he spend his last two hours on the planet Earth? Making people feel that fear. It probably made him feel extremely powerful. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a cyclo for that matter. Battlefield Earth was... I was watching clips of that last night for whatever reason. 
But yeah, his last moments on Earth was sharing that fear and that terror with just girls. And in the only place he ever felt safe, he turned into a place of hate and anger and fear. Getting back of the world. For what? I mean, I, he had his own pain, and I, I'm, I feel sorry that anyone has to go through that. But the key is not to share your pain. Crazy. So, yeah, I, I would be curious to hear what those conversations were with the police, what was actually going on. I, you know, really, the girls in the room would remember, but I hope, they, I hope they've forgotten about this event as well. It's doubtful. But I hope everyone's kind of moved on with their own life and kept going on. That's that school shooting. I came across that while I was researching the made-up 2006 volleyball incident. Instead, found 2006 Platte Canyon shooting, which to me is more horrifying than a 14. You know, one girl getting killed. This story is more horrifying than 14 people getting killed and the government erasing everyone's memory and shifting us into another reality because one deals with actual human evil, and the other one deals with fantasy elements. Okay, so that was a rough one. I thought it was rough, at least. I don't like hearing about stuff like that, but I think it's important to kind of talk about and go into. It was fascinating. Human, you know, the way his mind was working. So let's get to a fun story. Because I came across this this morning, actually. And I just thought it was adorable and funny and I can kind of see how their heart was in the right place, honestly. I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. So, in Cairo, there's a zoo that has these two zebras. And they're, you know, hanging out in the little zebra enclosure. And kids are like, look, mommy, a zebra. Look at it, it's a zebra. And the mom's like, yeah, it's a, it's a zebra, honey. Well, one guy was looking at him and he's like, uh, that's not a zebra. And he's kind of looking at it and he... Gets his camera out, and he's like, hey, man, take a picture. Take a picture of me. Take a picture of me next to this quote-unquote zebra. The picture's online. I'll post the links, but this is not a zebra. It is a donkey, a white donkey. I'm assuming it was white with black paint striped on it or black ink, and the ink is all smudged, so it's obviously not a zebra. And so, you know, of course, people are like, hey, what's going on? You know, why do you have this fake zebra? Now, I don't have a quote from this zoo, but they also, there was a zoo in Gaza that also had painted donkeys to look like zebras. And they said, well, we couldn't get zebras because of the Israeli blockade. Couldn't get zebras in. And this was the quote. The first time we used paint, but it didn't look good. So apparently, yeah, they used some sort of ink. And then the quote goes on to say, the children don't know, so they call them zebras, and they are happy to see something new. Aww. See, you know, little kids don't care. I guess if you're an adult, and you're like, oh, that's not a zebra. But, you know, it's like a Santa Claus thing. Like, kid, little kids just want to see a zebra. And, I, I mean, that's that's adorable. If you go, If you pay to go to the zoo, and you see a donkey, and it's painted as a zebra, I mean, are you really ripped off? Because all the other animals, you get to see the lion, and you get to see... Oh, wait, the lion is fake, too? So, in China... So, I'll give the the people in Gaza... They, yes, they have... They can't get zebras in because there's a blockade. They, they spray... They paint a donkey fine. In Cairo, it's a little less forgivable. In China, 
In China, okay, so here's the thing. You have a donkey painted black with painted with black stripes, it's a zebra. In China, people went to go see the lion. They went, you know, they're gonna go see a lion here. It was a dog. It was a big hairy dog. Just hanging out, walking around. It looks nothing like a lion. Donkey, zebra, I can kind of see it. The height's a little bit different. Probably would have been better off getting a horse and painting it, but that's probably harder. This is a clearly a dog. It is a Tibetan Mastiff. It's a large, hairy dog. So they were saying that they had put it in the lion cage as a safety, as a safety issue. But they don't really say if it's like, is was the dog not being safe? Or was there a lion roaming around or whatever? Then they found a dog in a cage labeled wolf. Okay. I can kind of see that. Then, in the leopard cage, there was a white fox. So basically, that's not a zoo. That was all in one zoo. So you go to see the lion, it's a dog. You go to see a wolf, it's a dog. You go to see a leopard, and it's a fox. Now, the Chinese park are like, oh, no, 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 no. We just have to kind of move stuff around. We're not short on funds. But, oh, we're trying to breed a dog and a wolf for whatever reason. And we just, we were kind of moving stuff around. This was just a bad day for everyone to show up. I just think it was funny. They had a, they had a quote here. I can't say the person's name, not because it's rude, but because I can't pronounce it. And it's also like a Twitter handle or something like that. But this quote I thought was funny. If this works, why would people even bother to go to the zoo? Children will cry out, look, a lion came out at the sight of a Tibetan Mastiff. Or look, it's a rat seeing snakes on the street. This is totally absurd. The rat and the snake, I mean, if you're trying to pass off a fox as a leopard, maybe, yeah. And I can see that from a learning perspective. If someone, if some kid sees a Tibetan Mastiff walking down the street, they're like, oh my god, there's a lion, everyone run, run. I get that. Donkey, zebra, I'm cool with. Dog, lion, no. Fox, leopard? That's a ripoff. That is a ripoff. And then someone else says, why doesn't the zoo simply put the zookeeper in a cage with the sign gorilla on its gate? Why not? We're actually going to be covering, covering the history of human zoos coming up. And I thought about saving this story for that, but I, after the volleyball story, I just needed to have something a little more lighthearted. And I think the, just the fact that little kids are having a good time while their adults like shake their fist at the nearby zookeeper and he just like shrugs his shoulder and be like, it's a job as he's eating a banana and he's like climbing in the cage. You know, I wanted to kind of contrast it with something a little bit lighter. Well, I hope you guys had a great time listening to today's episode. I had a great time having you here. I always have, like having people listen. I love getting the feedback. I get a lot of feedback on the YouTube channel. That's uh, Dead Rabbit Radio. You can search us out on YouTube there. Get a lot of feedback on there. It's great. I'm always looking at the downloads, always looking at the views on YouTube. It's just growing every single day. So I really appreciate that. You guys who keep tuning in, let your friends know. Let your friends know that you're having fun with this podcast. Let's get more people listening to this because I really like producing it. I'm not going to stop anytime soon. This is episode, I think, 36, 37 maybe. So, yeah, it's going great. I'm having a lot of fun. I love finding these weird, creepy, bizarre stories and bringing them to you. And I hope you have a great time listening to them. I am Jason Carpenter. This is Dead Rabbit Radio, a daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.